We're going to continue our study of Ecclesiastes this morning. If you want to turn to Ecclesiastes, we're right at the end of chapter 11 and the beginning of chapter 12 this morning. We, uh, we've been at this since January, um, but the, the end is in sight. Um, <laughs> We're, uh, we're going to probably tie it up in the next couple of weeks. So, uh, so we'll be done with Ecclesiastes, but uh, hopefully Ecclesiastes won't be done with us yet because there's been such wisdom in it and, and, uh, and so much in it that, that is meaningful. Solomon has talked quite a bit about the futility of life apart from God. He's, he's talked about life under the sun. He spent most of 11 chapters telling us about life under the sun, as he calls it, and how it's just vanity. It's a vapor. It's the, a wisp of smoke after you extinguish a candle. That there's nothing to life apart from God. And he's told us that we have eternity in our hearts. I want to remind you this morning of chapter 3, verse 11. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, chapter 3, verse 11 is critical to, the, to our understanding of the rest of Ecclesiastes. And, and he says he's made everything appropriate in its time, and he has also put eternity in our hearts. But, not, but no one can discover the work that God has done from beginning to end. He has put eternity in our hearts. Now this is important because this morning, Solomon's going to tell us to live from our heart. Live from our heart. But there's a caveat to that, and that is that if your heart is empty, then your life will be. But if your heart is full, then your life will be. So we'll see that as we, uh, as we read this morning. So let's uh, begin Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 7. It is up here behind me, and we'll go through chapter 12, verse 7. Light is sweet, and it is pleasing for the eyes to see the sun. Indeed, if someone lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, and let them remember the the days of darkness, since they will be many. All that comes is futile. Rejoice, young person, while you are young, and let your heart be glad in the days of your youth, and walk in the ways of your heart and in the desire of your eyes. But know that for all of these things God will bring you to judgment. Remove sorrow from your heart and put away pain from your flesh, because youth and the prime of life are fleeting. So remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of adversity come, and the years approach when you will say, I have no delight in them, before the sun and the light are darkened and the moon and the stars and the clouds return after the rain. On the day when the gardens, guardians of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, the women who grind grain cease because they are few. The ones who watch through the windows see dimly. The doors at the street are shut while the sound of the mill fades when one rises at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song grow faint. Also, they are afraid of heights and dangers on the road. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper loses its spring, and the caperberry has no effect. For the mere mortal is headed to his eternal home, and mourners will walk around in the street. But before the silver cord is snapped, 
and the gold bowl is broken, and the jar is shattered at the spring, and the wheel is broken in the well, and the dust returns to the earth as it once was, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. So he begins here really talking about rejoicing. You notice in the first couple of verses there, he says rejoice twice, and then he says also remove sorrow from your heart. Rejoice. And he's, and he's very particular. He says that we should rejoice because we have youth. Rejoice because we have life. He even said that, that someone who's lived to old age rejoice in every year of it. Rejoice in life. We should be rejoicing. Now Solomon told us back in chapter 2 that, that life is not about the pursuit of pleasure. Now he's telling us it's not also not about self, self-denial and, and asceticism. It's not about that either. We should rejoice in life. Rejoice in life because we have life. Now he specifically talks about youth rejoicing in having life and rejoicing in having youth. But what does every kid say? Every single kid can't wait till I'm older. Right? Every kid says, I can't wait till I grow up. Now, once we grow up, we don't say that no more. Because we know what growing up is. Adulting is hard. So it, it's not what kids want, but it, as adults, we all look backwards and say, man, I wish I was young again. But he says to rejoice in every year we have. Every year of life that we've had, we should rejoice in it. We should be celebrating that we have life. I, I, I say, live life like you mean it. Live life on purpose. You realize life just didn't happen to you, right? It was a gift from God for you to live. So live it. Live it rejoicing. Live your life rejoicing. And then he talks about uh, remembering the days of darkness. And we we talked last week or week before about how wisdom should come with age, but it's not an automatic because you can be an old fool. (laughs) They they do exist. Old fools are, are real. Wisdom should come with age. And wisdom comes from remembering the dark days, remembering the lessons of the dark days. Then we have wisdom then we can rejoice in wisdom. We can rejoice in life. But, but I think the overall point he's making here is live life like you mean it. Live life like it was meant to be yours. Because it was. It was a gift from God given to you to live. And so it doesn't matter whether you're young or old. If you're still alive, life was a gift to you to live. Live it today. It was a a, a Jewish rabbi in the 3rd century. He said that every man will give an account to God for all that he saw but did not enjoy. Think about that. Think about how how much of your life you've spent not rejoicing. Why? Life is something to be rejoiced. Life is something to be lived. It is meant to be lived and and Solomon would say, and I will say, live it from your heart. Live it from your heart. Now, we need to remember something about living from your heart. 
We need to remember chapter 3, verse 11, that, where he says that, that that's where God put eternity in us, in our hearts. And we need to also understand that the biblical idea of the heart is not the seat of emotions. We think the heart is where love and, and, and happiness and these things come from. That's not how the Bible sees the heart. The Bible sees the heart as the center of the virtues and the values and the morals, the decision-making process, where we live from, where we make decisions about our life from. That's the heart. The Bible sees the seat of emotions as the stomach. And I think it's far more accurate because when you're upset, where do you feel it? When you're upset emotionally, where do you feel it? Your stomach. Some people eat their emotions. Some people don't eat because of their emotions. Uh, it, uh, emotions affect our stomach. So that's the, that's the idea of the Bible is the emotions are in the stomach. In the heart is the center of the will. It's the center of the person. It's, the, it's where all moral judgment happens, where all moral decision-making happens, where your values and virtues are. So when Solomon says, live from your heart, or, or walk in the desire of your heart, as he, as he puts it, then he's talking about that place of, of moral judgment, that place that's empty apart from God, right? Because that's where Solomon told us that we have a hole waiting for God to be. Augustine called it the, the God-shaped space in us, where, God, where, where we have this space where God fits, and nothing else fits. Nothing else fits. So as we look at our society, we look at our culture, we look at the non-believer, they're living from their heart because they're living an empty life. Because their heart's empty. Because they're trying to fill that with drugs or alcohol or popularity or money or possessions or sex or, or all of these other things. They're trying to fill it with emotions and possessions. And we know it's the place I'll use, the place of virtues. It's the place where God goes. It's the place, the God-shaped space in each of us that he told us about, about back in, in chapter 3. So when we live for our hearts, we live our values, our virtues. We live for God, from God, for eternity, with eternity always in mind. That's living from your heart for a believer. And then, he, then he, he reminds us that God is going to judge this. God's going to judge how we live. He says to, to live in, the, in, in our, the walk in the way of our heart and, 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 uh, and in the desire of our eyes, but understand that God's going to judge that. God is going Now, what's this mean? Well, first of all, it means that the, the job of judge is taken, so it's not yours. God's already got that job. And so, what it means is, we don't get to decide on our own what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's bad. We don't get to decide that. That was the problem that Adam and Eve had. That's what the serpent told them they'd get, is the, the ability to tell right from wrong. God has that. And so, let me put it as simply as I can. If God says it's sin, it's sin. We don't get an opinion on it. We don't get to choose. Adam and Eve, didn't get, their opinion didn't matter much either. 
If God says it's sin, it's sin. And so we are going to be judged based upon God's perfect will, God's perfect law, God's perfect way for us to live. That's what we're going to be judged on. And it's based upon what God says. So it isn't, we, we don't get an opinion here. You might say, well, you know, it seems wrong, but it might be right. No, look at, the, look at His Word. If it's wrong, if He says it's wrong, it's wrong. And there isn't any other discussion needed. What God says is sin, is sin. We have been trying since Adam and Eve to decide for ourselves what's right and what's wrong. What God says is sin, is sin. And He will judge us based upon that. And then, and then He gives us the Creator. Now, up to this point, Solomon has mostly told us about life apart from God, based upon the idea that it's futile and, and vanity and a vapor and a, and a wisp of smoke after you, after you extinguish a candle. That's his, his way of saying that's what life is apart from God. And so he's basically aimed us at God, kind of pointed us to God by saying life apart from him is useless. It's futile. It's, it's vanity. It's a vapor. Now he actually names the Creator. Now he says, remember your Creator. So he's now telling us God made us and gave us life. So once again, in the context of rejoice, of rejoice in every year of your life, rejoice in life always, he's telling us our Creator gave us that life. It is a gift. And, and this gift of life was not just given to the young. If you, live, if you woke up this morning, the gift of life is still yours. And it needs to be lived like you mean it. It needs to be lived rejoicing. Because as we get older, things change, don't they? We don't take the risks we used to take anymore. You know, we don't, we don't go out and do things anymore. It seems like life almost becomes trying not to die rather than living, right? We think more and more about the end of life. We think more and more about what happens after life. Bill Cosby used to, used to talk about this. He used to say that, that as we get older, we think more and more of the hereafter. Like when we go into a room and think, what did I come in here after? <laughs> we think of the hereafter more when we get, as we get older. We get, we get scared. Death is not something that a believer fears. We don't welcome it, but we don't fear it because we know what's next. We can read about what's next. We can see it. So we don't fear it. So we've got to live. We've got to live life now. We've got to live life now while it's still ours. Still rejoicing and having life. We need to live it. Now, I'm not suggesting that we all go out and buy dirt bikes today. Or that we're going to go meet and go bungee jumping or something. I'm not saying that. I am just saying we need to live life while we have it. Live life while it's ours. It's a gift from God. And because you woke up this morning, you still have the gift. So live life like you mean it. Live life rejoicing. Live life from your heart. 
from your values and virtues. Live life with eternity in mind. Do something today that changes someone else's life for eternity. You realize just sharing your faith today could change somebody else's entire eternity. It's really that simple. Somebody shared their faith with you. And now you can share it with somebody else. And sharing your faith with somebody else can change an eternity for someone. So do, live your life today. Live it from your heart, your virtues, values. Live it rejoicing. Live it for eternity, from eternity. Live life today. We, uh, we know as believers, we talk about having Christ in our heart. And, and the reason, again, is because the biblical idea of the, of the heart is the center of the being. It's the, it's the will. It's the, the values and virtues. It's the center of, of all of our moral decisions. That's where our problem was, and so that's where Christ came. The, the, the cure was applied directly to the disease in our hearts. So can you live from your heart? A heart surrendered to Christ? Can you live a, a, a full life surrendered to Christ in your heart, from your heart? Do you need to surrender your heart to Christ this morning? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. Because as you, as you hear this living from your heart and having Christ in your heart, maybe this morning it struck a chord. Maybe this morning it, it was the first time something clicked for you and you realize that your heart is empty you've been trying to fill it with all kinds of other things but it's a god-shaped space that only god fills do you need to take a step of filling that this morning it's a simple prayer you simply say god i know that i have sin in my life i've done things wrong i've said things wrong i've thought things wrong And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I trust that Jesus died in my place on that cross. He died to save me. So I ask you to come into my heart today. Fill me today. Forgive me because of His finished work on the cross. And fill me today. If you made that prayer for the first time today, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Elbow your neighbor, let them know. Let somebody know that you made a, you are filled with Christ today. Maybe this morning you know Christ, but as you look back over the last couple of weeks, you have been trying to chase not dying instead of living life. Will you make a commitment to God right here between you and God to live the gift of life today? Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you for the wisdom that that Solomon gives us. We thank you, Father, that, that we have life, that we have this gift that you've given us. Help us to live it. Live it from our hearts. Live it rejoicing. Live it with eternity in mind. Help us to live it. In Jesus' name, amen.